Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota, featuring a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs-related personality. We are your hosts. I'm Len Casper alongside Jim Deshays. You know us as the Cubs television tandem. J.D., congratulations on getting through uh, the regular season intact. Uh, The Cubs did not have a positive COVID test among their players. They won the National League Central. They're hosting the Miami Marlins in the wild card round this week, and we are actually uh, putting out this podcast a little earlier than usual. Uh, There's a little time sensitivity to our recording, but that's okay. And we hope that that's the case for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, it, it uh, hopefully the Cubs have a good long run, and uh, it, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, uh, obviously a, a postseason like we've never seen before. Uh, it's a little wacky with with so many teams involved, um, but but there, there's a potential for so much drama, and you know, for baseball fans, you know, basically wall to wall baseball. You can watch all the baseball you want, certainly in this first round with so much action. And I'm intrigued by this Marlins club, obviously. Um, because of the pandemic and the, and the the altered schedule, we did not see them. Uh, they went through a lot with with COVID early on and uh, have managed to come through. Uh, and I, I, I'm shocked. I, I thought they had zero chance of being a postseason team when this started. I think uh, uh, everybody around baseball outside of the Marlins felt the same way. And in a few minutes here, we're going to hear uh, from our good friend Dave Van Horn, the the Hall of Fame. Uh, radio voice of the Marlins uh, to get uh, the scoop on the odyssey they went through. Um, But as we look at the brackets, it is possible that the division round, possible, not likely, that the entire bracket will be made up of NL Central teams. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting for for a division. You know, we knew that it would be a a kind of a dogfight. Um, between the four teams in the division to, you know, win the division. I, I don't think anybody foresaw all four teams making the postseason. Um, but, you know, the, the the odds makers were pretty good, right? They Most of the teams in the division they thought would be 31 and 29 or 30 and 30, something like that. And that basically came to pass. The Pirates well off the pace, but everybody else hovering around 500, the Cubs a few games better. And that allowed them to, to claim the, the central. Um, so depending on your point of view, it's it's either a mediocre division or it's a very balanced, very competitive division. And, and I would argue the latter uh, with all four clubs making it in. All right. So let's do something fun here. And I'm looking at the bracket. So uh, if you need a little help, I, I can supply it. So a lot of uh, <clears throat> these football pools, is it, a, is it called a survivor pool, right, where you pick a team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that week and if they lose, you're, you're done. Um, if they are still alive, you're still alive, and then you pick another team the following week. So if you had to pick one team in each league in terms of a survivor pool, do you have any thoughts? Uh, My team in the uh, National League would probably be the Dodgers. Uh, If they matched up against the Reds, I I might not pick them. Um, But I I think against Milwaukee, the Dodgers probably are going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, I would I would pick the Dodgers as well. Now, <clears throat> like in a lot of those survivor pools, once you pick a team, you right. can't pick them again. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so if you were to kind of go through the, the you know the entire postseason, would you would you fire that bullet now and pick the Dodgers in round one? 
Uh, Good I point. Might, I might save the Dodgers. Um, and I would go. Wow. Are we using the American <laughs> League in this round too? Yeah, we're going to do I, one in each league. I like this game. This is a fun game, Len. Uh, <laughs> I'm sticking with the Dodgers. I just no. want to be around for round two. Oh, okay. You're, you're, all right. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to sit on that and I'm going to take. Uh, man, this is hard. I'm going, well, to take, to, I'm going to take the Twins over the Astros. Well, that's in the other league. you got to do each oh, league. Oh, we're doing each league. Okay. Yeah. Well, to me, the second team would be the Cubs in the first round. But yeah. I'm going to stick with the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cubs. Yeah, I okay, like the so, Cubs over the Marlins, too. So you have Cubs. Yeah. I'm going to take Dodgers. And then in the American League, you've got... I just took the Twins. Yeah, I would say that would be my choice as well. But just to make it fun and to pick somebody else... It's either the A's or the Rays. Uh, I'm going to take, I just don't know the Blue Jays well enough. I'm going to take Oakland uh, at the Coliseum to beat the White Sox. So I've got the the Dodgers and the A's, (laughs) the two best teams in the tournament. Of course, I can't take them after this round. So I got Cubs and Twins. Okay, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Before we we dig in on the Marlins, uh, a quick word on, on the Cubs. Uh, the most recent trends, way better, winning two of three, scoring a ton of runs uh, at the White Sox after a pretty dismal series in Pittsburgh. Uh, Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell for me, and then maybe the honorable mention would be Adbert Alzali. Uh, your thoughts on, on how it went over the weekend and looking forward now to this upcoming series? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the long view, I think Kimbrell has been good for a long enough period of time now where I feel really good about him, a high leverage late. Um, KB, obviously, it's a smaller body of work, but two big swings of the bat this weekend that are certainly encouraging. Um, and, and seeing that big smile on his face rounding the bases, you know, just maybe more encouraging than the swings of the bat. Just uh, a guy looks like he's starting to have a little fun uh, in what has been a kind of really rough year for him. Um, and, you know, talent you know, tends to to rise, to rise up. So if he's healthy, I, I'm with you. I think KB has a chance to do some damage here. Um, the Marlins pitching staff is tough though. So it's not going to be easy to, to generate a lot of runs against some of their starting pitching. Uh, and Azale, yeah, that's, that was the, the interesting one, two outings in a row. Now the, the relief outing, and then the start here against the White Sox uh, with that slider, uh, especially two outings ago. And then, you know, the, pitch mix last time 97 with the fastball um and, and it's a marlins team that you might want a right-handed arm in there against you know when you look at their splits right versus left um you know i would never say don't give the ball to john lester in a postseason game because of what he has accomplished but based on the way Alzali threw the ball um if i'm david ross i'm giving that some serious consideration um so whether he gets a, a start in this series or becomes a, a valuable guy to, to follow up, say, John, or even Q, uh, depending on what uh, Rossi decides to do. Um, certainly, uh, he has a chance to, to really be a difference maker. So let's get to know the Cubs' first-round opponent. They lost 105 games last year. This year, they're in the playoffs. And for more on the Miami Marlins, we're going to hear from Dave Van Horn, the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Three decades with the Montreal Expos and now two decades with the Marlins. Enjoy our conversation with DVH.
Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's just start by uh, giving us an overview of the 2020 Miami Marlins. It's been a unique season, to say the least. Well, against all odds, the Marlins find themselves in the playoffs. It has been quite a story going back to day one because, as Don Mattingly is quick to point out, uh, during the formative uh, days of the 60-game schedule and the actual start of the 60-game schedule, no one gave the Marlins a chance to do anything except be a last-place ball club again. I think they wore that as a chip on their shoulder a little bit, but more importantly, the positivity of uh, Don Mattingly led them through this. And uh, against all odds, when you consider that in the first weekend of play, they were in Philadelphia for a three-game series, and prior to the start of game three, uh, their starting pitcher, Jose Arrania, was diagnosed with COVID-19. He was down. By the time that day was over, we had heard that Three or four other players had also tested positive, and by the time uh, the next 24 to 48-hour period was over, 18 players in that Marlins squad were lost to COVID-19. That's the way the season started for Don Mattingly and the Marlins. 23 days on the road. Yep. 61 players used, 174 transactions, 18 Major League debuts. Uh, how many guys did Michael Hill have to go out and get from outside the organization when the shutdown occurred? Well, in, in, in the early days, uh, some were, were brought in from, uh, uh, from the organization, but he was, he was out there uh, combing the, the waiver wire and uh, everything else he could get his hands on to try to find uh, healthy arms in, in particular, and, uh, and a few position players uh, to bring in uh, to fill out the roster. And uh, so he was busy uh, every day on the phone uh, bringing people in. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was this group that had gone through uh, the major spring training back uh, in Grapefruit League play, had gone through uh, that group. And all of a sudden, they had people walking into the clubhouse on a daily basis that nobody recognized. Uh, no one knew them. And here come these players putting on a Marlins uniform to help fill out the roster in the early days. It was a very strange uh, situation that Don and his staff had to deal with. Yeah, I saw a quote uh, from from Don Mattingly about a player or two. He's like, yeah, I, I've never met him. Don't know who he is, but <laughs> he's in the lineup today. <laughs> right. We we actually saw a couple of times a pitcher brought into the game and our catcher, uh, Jorge Alfaro, going out to the mound to introduce himself to the pitcher and find out what it was he wanted to throw in that situation. And uh, it, it was almost comical uh, at, at one point when players on the field were introducing themselves to new teammates. Somebody should have uh, suggested name tags, you know, or, you know, a little slap of, hello, my name yeah, is. Hello, my name is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Dave, you've been doing this for over a half century, and I'm curious to know, what are the comparisons you can make for any of the things that you've witnessed this season? There have to be some firsts for you. I don't know if you had ever done any remote broadcasting. Uh, we talked about the the 
eight-day shutdown. Had you ever gone through anything or experienced anything similar to 2020? No, nothing like uh, 2020. And I had been through uh, all of the labor stoppages, um, the 55-day strike, uh, uh, some long, tough situations for baseball, but never anything like this. I think, uh, Len and Jim, the one thing that helped me the most in sitting uh, at a desk uh, surrounded by television monitors was the fact that way back in my minor league days, I did wire recreation baseball, uh, where we got information uh, on the uh, on the game and on the people in the game uh, from the Western Union wire. And we sat in a studio, an engineer applied sound effects, and we recreated the game. That was common in even at the major league level back in the uh, certainly the 30s and 40s and on into the 50s. Uh, but I got to do wire recreation in the 60s, and that really helped me uh, uh, this year. I didn't know that I'd be calling on uh, my what I learned in wire recreation uh, years and years later, but uh, I did. And were you at the ballpark, Dave? Did you did you work from uh, the ballpark or did you work from home? When uh, when I was doing wire recreation, oh, or, oh, no, no, now during actually the both. Yeah, we worked we worked uh, every game from the ballpark. Um, my partner and I, Glenn Geffner, and our engineer and producer Kyle Seeloff, uh, we were at the ballpark every single game. Uh, none of us missed a game, so we were there for uh, all sixty home and away. Of course, it was a delight to do the home games because the teams were playing right in front of us and we were broadcasting from our regular radio booth. And it was a lot different when we moved down to a suite and that battery of monitors uh, to recreate the radio broadcast by looking at the television uh, broadcast of the, of the game. And this is really cool for you. Uh, I feel uh, very good for you and for Glenn. Um, the last postseason action you got to call. Uh, I was actually with you in 2003. So it, it, it has been a while for this franchise. And I believe the first winning season since 2009. Is that right? 17 years since they made it to the playoffs. And you were part of that in 2003 on the Marlins crew. And uh, yes, uh, a Freddy Gonzalez managed club in 2009 finished over 500, and they have not had a team finish over 500 until Don Mattingly's uh, Marlins this year. So we're a little unfamiliar with your roster. Let's start with the pitching. Uh, you've got some big arms, uh, including Sandy Alcantara, uh, Sixto Sanchez, who uh, hasn't pitched a whole lot. Uh, at this level, uh, Pablo Lopez as well. I would imagine those in some form or fashion will be the three starters in this series. Yes. yes. Um, three uh, very good arms, uh, three very good uh, big guys. Uh, uh, Sandy Alcantara is a marvelous talent, uh, just 25 years old and coming into his own this year, uh, really taking uh, – uh, leaps and bounds in the right direction uh, during this 60-game schedule. Pablo is pitching uh, better than he ever has. Uh, Pablo Lopez will be uh, part of that rotation. And the 22-year-old Sixto Sanchez, who's a very exciting pitcher uh, with electric stuff and uh, still working on some command issues. But uh, in his first three starts, he was just lights out. 
And then the last couple of times out, he had the stuff, but he didn't always have it in the strike zone. So that's something to to watch for and something that he's worked uh, on the side for. But they'll be the main three in this series against the Cubs. It'll be Alcantara, Lopez, and Sanchez. And I have a feeling that it's going to be in that order, but I I wouldn't guarantee it. Do you think, Dave, that, um, and I don't know, if, and this is probably unknowable, but just your opinion, uh, you know, fairly young club, certainly young rotation, um, playing at Wrigley Field in front of 40,000 people could be kind of a daunting experience. Uh, the fact that it's going to be an empty ballpark, uh, is that an advantage for those young pitchers? Well, I, I think in one regard, yes. Uh, I, I said that when uh, they were heading into Yankee Stadium to play the Yankees this uh, weekend in a three-game series, that uh, it wouldn't be the same as it would be if uh, Yankee Stadium were packed for the final three Yankee games of the regular season and the jockeying for position in the playoffs, etc. And the, the, the players will not experience that. And uh, they went in there and they took two out of three and they played well. Um, and I, I'm not making any predictions for postseason, but I know this, that uh, that team will be as well prepared as anybody and they will play hard uh, for all three games and we'll see uh, where that takes them. But they're a pretty good team. I think one of the things about the ball club, uh, Jim, is that these veterans, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Corey Dickerson, and uh, Matt Joyce, even Jesus Aguilar, and uh, the new center fielder, Starling Marte. These are veteran players who have been through it all at the major league level. They've helped the young players so much to keep their feet on the ground and stay focused on the job at hand. That's been a huge benefit to Don, uh, along with the leader on uh, the ball club, Miguel Rojas. Uh, for Don Mattingly, it's like having a manager on the field with him every day, and it's his shortstop. So uh, I think they're prepared for Wrigley Field um, without the fans, and I think they would be prepared for Wrigley with fans. I, I have great uh, uh, belief in this, the makeup of this team. Today's the day to get 0% APR financing for 60 months on a new 2020 RAV4. Head into your local Toyota dealer today or visit toyota.com for more details. Event ends September 30th. A couple more minutes with our buddy Dave Van Horn from the Marlins radio crew. You mentioned Miguel Rojas, uh, kind of a career renaissance. He's having uh, the best offensive year of his career at age 31. What, what's been the key for him? Um, hard work. He has uh, worked hard since he got to the big leagues and he hasn't stopped. He continues to work hard. I know the last time that the Marlins were at home, almost everybody was off the field, except Miguel Rojas was out there at shortstop, uh, taking about 50 ground balls, making the throws to first base, working by himself except for uh, the fungo hitter and the first baseman. He works hard at it, and uh, the, he has reaped the rewards of a very good season. Slowed down a little bit here the last few weeks, but uh, he has had a terrific year, and he is the leader on this uh, Marlins ball club. I have another uh, probably, again, unknowable question for you, Dave, but, but I'm, I'm curious. 
because the Marlins, you know, over the years have had a hard time uh, in terms of attendance and yes. nobody's showing up at the ballpark. Anyway, do you get a sense, is there buzz in the city? Are people, you know, into this Marlins club? Is there any way to kind of quantify how much, uh, you know, it's, how many eyes and ears are on the product? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to tell, of course, uh, under the circumstances. But uh, there is a buzz. There is a pretty good reaction to both the telecasts and and the radio broadcasts uh, that we're encouraged by. One of the things that uh, uh, the owner, Bruce Sherman and Derek Cheater and Michael Hill and everybody right on down through the organization has done is promised uh, the fans in in this area, even the fans that don't come out to the ballgames, that they're going to continue to work hard to put a winning product on the field. That's their number one goal. Uh, Don pointed it out the other day. So did Michael Hill. This is not a finished product, this uh, uh, heading into the playoffs. This is not the end of a, of a process. This is just the start of a process. Uh, the farm system has gone from last in Major League Baseball to I think the most recent rating was number four. There's some talent. Uh, about to reach the major league level that we haven't even seen yet. And uh, everybody's very excited that this franchise is headed in the right direction. Now, do they have to wait and see if the fans show up? Of course we do. We wait till the pandemic is over and fans are allowed back in the ballpark, and then we'll we'll get an idea what it's all about. While we're talking about that, I just want to throw this out because I know we're uh, I'm, I'm running out of my time here with you guys. But one of the things that uh, has impressed me so much about this team this year is the fact that no one talks about their defense. This is a terrific defensive ball club. They don't make mistakes. They don't give games away. Um, It's an underrated defense, but believe me, uh, they're very good defensively. That's good to note. Um, one last question, Dave, and then we'll we'll let you go. And we really appreciate your time, and we'd love to uh, dive into some bigger uh, baseball topics with you, maybe in the off season. Uh, JD and I often talk about the Marlins and that outfield uh, from three years ago. W- one of the best in recent memory: uh, Yelich, Ozuna, Stanton. Uh, you had mm-hmm. uh, D. Gordon. You had J.T. Real Muto. Uh, you had some of these young pitchers who've moved on to other places and become stars in their own right. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Luis Castillo in uh, Cincinnati, uh, Chris Paddock in San Diego, among a bunch of others. It, it really does speak uh, to how well the organization has scouted and, and brought in young players that those guys are all gone. And as you said, it's kind of the start of something else. Can, can you speak to that big transition that occurred and, and losing yeah. that great outfield and yet still feeling like your, your, your future is bright? At the, at the very first press conference, Derek Jeter stood before the media in a large crowd and he said, we're going to make some decisions concerning the playing personnel on this team, decisions that are very difficult, but we're going to make them to get this club headed in the right direction. And uh, they did make them. They stuck to their guns and they went out and did well in the past several drafts and in their acquisitions, in the acquisitions that they've received for some of those players that they have moved on. Uh, And I think that this is just the first sign that their program is starting to work and starting to click. 
Number one, that the farm system has now improved to one of the best uh, in baseball, loaded with uh, uh, some terrific young talent and some of them already at the major league level. So uh, they did what they promised they would do. They said, we promise that we're going to give these players up and clear the decks for a new regime, and we will set about winning baseball games on the field and renewing uh, your interest in, in this ball club, and I think they've done that. So great to hear your voice. Call a great series. We know you will, and uh, we look forward to it very much, Dave. Enjoyed it, guys. I, I wish, uh, as we all do, that uh, we were there live in Chicago. As you probably know, I love the city and love visiting Chicago when we're there to play. Uh, but this will work out, and uh, it's uh, been 17 years since uh, those times back in 2003, and it'll be interesting to watch this series with the Marlins and the Cubs. Hey, J.D., did you know fans can still sign up for the Cubs season ticket holder waitlist? Fans can secure their spot in line right now for the chance to purchase Cubs season tickets. Once you're signed up, the Cubs will send emails periodically to let you know your place in line. For information and to sign up, go to cubs.com slash waitlist. Always a pleasure to chat with Dave Van Horn. And J.D., we absolutely have to get him back on the podcast to do a longer form uh, career look. Uh, he's got so many great stories from his Expos days, uh, working with Don Drysdale, uh, Ken Singleton. And uh, I just love Dave. He's maybe the nicest human being in baseball, isn't he? Yeah, he's a wonderful man. And, and, and special for me, Len, because, you know, growing up in northern New York, our, our little radio station up there, 1340 on the dial, uh, at, at times was an Expos uh, affiliate. And we would listen to, to Dave Van Horn call Expo games. And um, so for a lot of my friends for, from up there, um, you know, every now and then I'll, you know, I'll run into somebody. And, and Dave Van Horn is one of those guys people ask about. You know, they talk about, you know, you know, hey, Nolan Ryan, you know, or, you know, some of the players I played with are guys that have been around. But a lot of people want to know about Dave Van Horn because we listened to him on, on the radio uh, growing up. And, uh, yeah, he's a prince of a guy and a heck of a broadcaster. All right. So we're going to dive into the Dixon Baseball Dictionary, as we have been doing every week, uh, learning some baseball terminology and uh, digging into the uh, origins of some things that we thought we knew. You give me a letter and uh, I'll find a page. Okay. The letter today is... Um... I was going to say L, but I think I did L last week. Let's go with the letter Q. Is there okay. even anything under Q? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, quality start would be the first thing uh, I would think of, but let me find quality it. Quality baby might be in there. <laughs> All right. P. It's not a, it's not a very big chapter. <laughs> All right, here we go. A quail high hit. Have you ever heard of it? A quail high hit. Um, yeah, I think to... they, they used to call um, Bill Verdon's nickname was the Quail. Okay. Um, a quail high hit, I'm guessing, is just kind of a little flare, but I have no yep. idea. Yeah, it is a base hit that sails over the infield at the height that a quail flies when flushed. Mm. That was uh, Walter Putney back in 1952. So, yeah, 
I would say that is accurate. Okay, I got to get away from quality start here. There's a lot of quality, yeah. quality, quality. You can change your letters if you'd like. No, no, no. No, this is good. <laughs> you ever heard the term quick belly button? <laughs> I have not. Paul Wayner used the expression to describe the hip action needed to hit line drives. You have to have a quick belly button. Okay. I um I was I was if, if, if I, that would have been my guess that had something to do with trunk rotation for for a hitter. Yeah. But you know, we have to make note of these cuz we have to use these. I mean, that's no man, he's got a quick belly button. That's <laughs> that's way better than what a quality piece of hitting. I mean, yeah. And lastly, uh quick pitch, something we see on occasion these days. Uh, you really only can do it from the wind up. You can I guess from the stretch, it's kind of a, a slide step, um, but in, in some cases it might be deemed uh, a balk, but it is a legal pitch thrown quicker than usual between pitches. Uh, Pedro Strope, uh, very good at the quick pitch. Uh, Jim Cott did it, right? Jim Cott did it, I think, towards the end of his career when you know his stuff wasn't quite there and he needed to be a little more creative. And he would work really quickly and he would alter his, his delivery time. Sometimes he would use a leg kick, sometimes not. Uh, the other guy that comes to mind currently is Brett, Brett Suter with with the Brewers. Uh, he's mostly it's his tempo. He works so quickly, um, but but I think at, at times he he uses kind of a, a quick pitch as well. It's I think you know when I think back towards the end of my career when I was terrible, and I think about some of this stuff, um, it's, it's stuff I wish I had tried. I think I think <laughs> there are some pitches that last longer because they're creative and they're able to kind of come up with funky arm angles and funky deliveries, and quick pitch would be part of that arsenal. All right. Anything for this week's uh, admission? Anything on your mind? Um, no, uh, just kind of repeating um, what I said on the broadcast yesterday, just an appreciation for MLB pulling this off and for the players and the coaches and the staff and, and for the families of, of all the players, and for the sacrifices they've made um, to make this all happen. It was, uh, it was just a joy to be able to, to, to have some sense of normalcy and, and, and work the schedule. So Tip of the cap to all those fine folks. Yeah, and I would add, uh, I'm intrigued by the expanded playoffs. Uh, I don't know if I would like to see as many as 16 teams uh, in the tournament uh, beyond 2020. I think there is a way to, to add a few teams, but uh, maybe the way to make it as equitable as possible for the long 162-game grind uh, maybe down the road, the wild card round uh, involves kind of a college World Series type situation where the lower seed has to win two and the higher seed only needs to win one. Uh, I would be fine with the number one team not getting a bye into the next round, but I do think there should be a penalty for being a wild card team and an advantage uh, for, for a team that wins 110 games. The, the last thing you want, JD, I think, is a team to go 115 and 47 and and to lose a first round series against a team that went 82 and 80 right that, 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 you know, that doesn't not, feel no, quite right no you're absolutely right you know, we, we have to find a way to continue and again this year's different but you have to find a way to continue to value uh, the championship season the team that plays at a, at a high level for 162 needs a significant advantage uh, in the postseason especially in the first round lastly uh we want to uh Mentioned Max Berman. Uh, Max uh, has moved on uh, 
to bigger and better things. He's one of our favorite people in the world and has been uh, the driving force behind uh, this podcast. And uh, Max, we're thinking about you. We love you. We miss you. And uh, one day, JD and I will be working for you. So (laughs) thanks so much for everything. So yeah, again, echo, yeah, echo, echo, ahead, echo. Yep, just to echo your sentiments. Max is a wonderful guy, and I owe you a round of golf, partner. So <laughs> we'll get out there. Special thanks as well to Matt Romito, Big Jim Oboykowicz, Joe Rios, Daniel Green, Shane McGuire, Adam Sobel. For Jim Deshays, I'm Len Casper. Let's hope the Cubs are still in the postseason next time we chat. Subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. And we will talk to you next week. It is Open Concessions, presented by Toyota.